Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MACD Career Conversations podcast, where we talk to career people about their careers. My name is David Driver, and today our guest is Tracy Ediger. Tracy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, David, for having me here this afternoon, and uh, I'm looking forward to our discussion. Absolutely. So to start us off, just let us know currently where you're working and give us a little bit of insight into some of your major duties there. Sure. So currently I'm the program manager at the Winnipeg Transition Center. And uh, my basic duties are to uh, work, uh, you know, with our executive director and under her guidance in terms of managing all the business operations of what we do. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now, actually, since last year, uh, end of February, we are totally focusing on our professional development training, which is under Active Learning Works. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the opportunity to uh, provide training, whether it's our regularly scheduled in-house sessions or if we can provide closed sessions for organizations uh, that want to contract with us to provide development for their own staff, we're open to, you know, working with all these groups. So, mm-hmm. and it's... It's been great. You know, the last uh, year and a half has uh, has been very productive. So, And I have so many questions about the Winnipeg Transition Center because this is a place that's popped up in numerous episodes of this podcast where people's personal journeys took them there at right. some point. And um, that's certainly my story as well. But we will get to all of that in due time. Uh, the first thing I want to do is go back all the way to the beginning, Tracy. So our first question for you is, uh, where are you born in Manitoba? Where did this all start for you? Uh, I was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba, so I'm a homegrown girl. My family is uh, all based here in Winnipeg, uh, media family anyways. Although I ventured to have ventured to other parts of the world for you know personal and business purposes, uh, yeah, it's all been happening right here in Winnipeg. So It's a hard place to leave, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing over the years when I think back how things have changed and grown and uh, the vibrant city that we really have become. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very proud. Yeah. And for you personally, so growing up, did you have any specific career aspirations? Did you ever have like a childhood dream or a teenage dream? Or were you one of the many people who kind of put it on the back burner and never really thought about it? <laughs> Oh, I had dreams. I, I, I'm an avid reader. I was even back then in my childhood. And uh, I, uh, I would have to say, in all honesty, my very first aspiration in terms of what I wanted to do was I wanted to be an archaeologist. Uh, I loved reading books on history, whether it was fiction, non-fictional. And it was always a dream to, you know, visit the Parthenon in Athens uh, or go to archaeological sites uh, and you know, I always thought, wow, to uncover, you know, history and learn how people lived and, you know, just amazed me and, and fascinated me. So that was actually my first aspiration and uh, primarily based on reading uh, a lot of materials <laughs> that focused on that. And mm-hmm. uh, I will have to say that later on in life, I did manage to visit the Parthenon and uh, oh, okay. some sites uh including, um, you know, Rome and parts of Turkey and the Mediterranean. So, so it was pretty cool. I got to realize some of my uh, childhood dreams to see some of these places. Yeah. It's still alive within you somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere. That's right. It hasn't died completely. <laughs> yeah. 
So how serious did you take that? Was just that something just, again, just fascinated you? Or did you ever take some serious steps toward it as a career? Did you ever think about going to school for it? Or Yeah, no, it was more, I think, of a fantasy kind of a thing for me because, you know, never really considered going into schooling. Mm. Uh, I just thought, you know, it was romantic. It was, you know, probably about 11, 12, 13 when I started thinking about this that I thought it would be so cool to do something like that. So it was really, you know, at that level and stayed at that level. And that was fine, you know, mm-hmm. because, uh, it was just something that I thought was neat to, to think about. Interesting. So you're leaving high school. Mm-hmm. What is your plan from that point? Did you have an idea to maybe go to post-secondary, maybe find a job or travel right. around the world? What were your ideas after high school? Yeah, so in grade 12, uh, I took a, a law course um, because I was actually really considering going into the legal field. And, really? Okay. Yeah. Where did that idea come from? <laughs> I just was fascinated with, again, you know, uh, the concept of, you know, whether it would be, uh, you know, more of a, um, I, I, I saw myself as being in a courtroom working, you know, for the province as a prosecutor. And, you know, it was just something that I thought I, you know, could be really good at. I I enjoyed the course that I took in grade 12, uh, read a lot of materials. And then I thought, well, you know, I I think this is something if, you know, and I was always very academic. So for me, Mm. my nose into books was never a problem. And, uh, something that I really enjoy doing. And so I know a lot of legal work has to do with uh, researching cases and going back and looking at, you know, what precedents were set. And so I always thought that that part of the job would be something I would be quite good at. So what ended up happening was that summer after I graduated, I had the opportunity to work in a legal office, uh, actually at the office at my my parents uh, went to for legal advice on Broadway. <laughs> and, uh, their legal assistant was taking the summer off. She was traveling throughout Europe with her husband and family. And so I got a chance to work there for probably about a month and a half. And, you know, I'm glad I had that experience because it kind of opened up my eyes a little bit more in terms of maybe this is not really what I want to do. You know, so I, I had that opportunity. I, I did find it interesting. I, I just, you know, I realized, you know, after being there for that time frame, that let's rethink what it is that I want to do. With that in mind, uh, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. When I was 16, the first job that I paid job that I got aside from babysitting way back when I was young, I started working at the uh, at Eaton's at the downtown store. And so I left Eaton's when I went to go work at the legal office uh, full time that summer. And then when I realized that this wasn't really the career for me, I thought, well, maybe I need to sort of, um, you know, take a step back, rethink my options. And so I went back to Eaton's and said, you know, uh, I think if there's an opening for me, I'd love to, to come back. Um, and what I ended up doing was rather than being on the sales floor again, they interviewed me for a position that was more administrative in a department called merchandise services at that time. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of set things off for me because that whole process evolved into oh, almost 23 years with that company. I was fortunate enough that um, at that, in those days, each of the markets, uh, like for example, the Manitoba market, all the buyers for Eaton's were housed in the downtown store here in Winnipeg. 
And so if you were working uh, supporting administratively a certain department, you were actually working with that buyer and uh, getting a chance to meet with vendors, suppliers, negotiate, uh, you know, deals in terms of, you know, what kind of products we were going to buy at what price, setting up the inventory for it. So it just kind of opened up a whole new world for me that, wow, you know, I, I think this is something that I could really get into. And it, it encompassed so many skills that I thought that I, I had that would be really relevant. The, not only the, uh, I was good with numbers, but, you know, also in, in, in communicating with people and interacting with people on a regular basis. It just started off from there in the downtown store. I was there for about four years. And then it evolved into a more management training position uh, where uh, I ended up at the logistics facility that at that time was on Wellington and Barry. And that's where I ended up until, unfortunately, they closed down the operations and started to centralize things in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know where the Eaton story goes. So I was waiting for. (laughs) Mm. Oh, yeah, it it was. It had to end eventually. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I was very fortunate that that time that I spent there, I think, really shaped a a lot of the values that I have today. And I was very fortunate to uh, work and meet such amazing people who are very committed, uh, hardworking it was not unusual for people to be working at Eaton's 30, 40, you know, 25 years. That was the standard back then. And so it, it, uh, it uh, gave me some opportunities I never would have, you know, had before. Uh, when I was doing training uh, for the organization, I was traveling, you know, anywhere from Toronto, throughout Ontario, all through Western Canada. So I got to see some pretty cool places, stay at nice hotels meet wonderful uh, folks that were working at the different stores. So uh, that was something that, uh, and I was quite young at the time. My son was just barely a year old when all this was happening. And uh, so I was in my early thirties and uh, it it was just a great opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How long did you go to law school for? Was it just for the one year or did you go for longer than that or? Yeah, it was just a one year. So, you know, never finished that uh, process, but uh, you know, it, it was something that I thought that would be an area that I'd want to go into. And it turned out that I took a very different path and, mm-hmm. and that was okay. Cause it evolved yeah. into something that was great. So. Absolutely. And that story there is very interesting because I've heard the story from so many people and this is something I think has a lot of truth to it. I don't know if you would agree, but it sounds like a lot of people chase their interests. So they find what they're interested in and try to apply it to work. Yes. And a lot of times they find that, oh, this isn't what I thought it was, or maybe it's not for me. Yeah. And you're an interesting story because you kind of settled into a job. You found a job that has some of your interests. You were looking for your interests in a job Yes. versus the other way around. So I don't know if for you, it doesn't sound like that was a conscious decision. No, no it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't it. Um, it honestly, when I went back to Eaton's uh, after spending that uh, time in that summer at the law firm, I really only thought I was going to be there for maybe another two years. You know, I was mm-hmm. still young, <clears throat> eighteen going on nineteen, and so I thought, you know, my my path is still wide open. You know, I could be going yeah. anywhere, right? Yeah. And uh, so, but opportunities presented themselves, and uh, and I went with it, and I'm really glad I did. You know, it was uh, it was a great experience that I I honestly, if I could go back, I, I wouldn't trade it because mm-hmm, uh, yeah. it taught 
me a lot of good things. Yeah. Sometimes those moments, you know, you find a job on the surface level, who knows if this is for me or what's this about, but uh, it's always, you strike gold, right? When you find that it does fit you so well. And again, that's a story where you find people, they just take a job (laughs) inconspicuously and then they find out that it's perfect for them and they had no idea. So exactly. Interesting. Um, So the Eaton's train comes to a halt. Yes. Where do you find yourself at that point? So this is very interesting how, you know, correlates with the Winnipeg Transition Center. So when Eaton's uh, shut down their operations at the facility that I was working at, uh, because I was part of the management team, we were all given the opportunity to work with uh, an outplacement uh, service uh, agency here in Winnipeg. And uh, so met up with these folks and I hadn't had to do a resume you know, even when I first applied at Eaton's, <laughs> there was no resumes. You basically filled in an application, met with somebody, and you were hired and you, were, you weren't, right? Yeah, yeah. And so never had to do a resume before. So went through that process where I worked uh, in, individually with that, uh, with that uh, representative from this agency. And, um, and that was an interesting process because, you know, uh, it made me have, I really had to dig into myself in terms of, okay, you know, what kind of work am I looking for now? Am I wanting to do the same thing? Am I wanting to do something different? So going through that whole affirmation of the career exploration. So we started with that. And then once I decided I wanted to stick with inventory management, um, you know, crafting the resume towards that, um, doing the interview prep. So it, it was an eye opener. And, um, so, uh, you know, the, the thing that I found was that, you know, they will work with you for a certain length of time and then they need to move on because it's a fee for service and I get that. So I'm, you know, armed with my new resume and uh, going out and connecting with places and, uh, you know, securing interviews. Things weren't happening like I thought they were. I, you know, started to get a little discouraged. And then I was digging through some papers that I received when I left Eaton's and lo and behold, here was a brochure from the Winnipeg Transition Center. And they had come out to our facility uh, when we were still working in the facility to do a presentation to the staff to let us know about their services. Now, because I was part of the management team, I wasn't in that presentation, but I was still given the information. And so I thought, hmm. So I called and I signed up for an orientation. <laughs> And, uh, and attended, uh, I met with one of their staff who did uh, a one-on-one assessment and, you know, asked uh, questions about, you know, what kind of work I was looking for, took a look at my resume, um, talked about what they could uh, provide to me. And back then, uh, they were running what was called uh, the Job Finding Club, and that was a federally funded program. And it was three weeks. The uh, staff said, I think you'd be perfect to come through. Let's sign you up. And I did. I attended the program, uh, met up with another of their staff who facilitated the workshops. Uh, It just, you know, opened my eyes and and blew me away in terms of the compassion and the caring that I saw. And I thought, oh, you know, this this is just amazing. And I'm feeling motivated and re-energized. And, um, you know, during the uh, three-week program, they actually had you in the last two weeks each afternoon, they would put you in an office uh, where you would actually be connecting uh, and contacting employers and doing what they called back then cold calls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was scary. I, I was just like, <laughs> oh, 
you know, I, I never, I, I never saw myself as a shy person or somebody who backed away, but that was probably one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do, you know, mm-hmm. sell yourself to a prospective employer. And how do you do that within a short time frame, right? So they take you through the process of developing that pitch. Prior to this, you practice it with a buddy, then they have you go into the office and you've made a list of prospective employers, of course, prior, and uh, start connecting with people. And, uh, and then we evaluated the results, right? You know, through that process, I found things were starting to, you know, take off. And I even expanded my uh, job goal to, you know, maybe it's not just inventory management, but just management period, right? And that can evolve into all kinds of different industries. I, you know, started to get interviews and, you know, down to one of two, one of three. So I thought, okay, things are progressing. I'm seeing things happening. Thanks to my friends at the Winnipeg Transition Center, I was more confident with the process that they gave me. I even went in and I volunteered a few times there when they needed some help at the front desk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so did that um, and really got to know the staff and, and just, you know, loved the team there and kept in constant touch with them. They, in turn, were also following up with me on a regular basis just to see if, you know, did, did I need anything further from them? You know, come in for one-on-one. Let's talk about what's going on. Yeah. And I, I just saw that support was ongoing. And, 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 you know, they were really committed to me being successful. And then right out of the blue, I get a call from the same staff that did the initial one-to-one assessment with me. And uh, she proceeded to inform me they had a job opening that, you know, the person who was their (laughs) office manager was moving, you know, staying with the company, but moving into a different position. And based on, you know, the fact that they knew me to a certain extent, knew the kind of skills and experience I had, they thought I'd be the perfect fit. So... I said, well, you know, why not? I why, not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> I love the place. People, I love people the are calling place. you for a job for a change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I just was blown away and I thought, you know what? I think this would be a really cool place to work. Very kind of different, a different industry, but it, yeah. it was something I thought I could really gravitate towards. And uh, so I got called in for an interview um, and it was with Ron, our founder and original executive director. And mm-hmm the then office manager that was a tough interview it was about a two-hour interview. really oh ron was pretty even though they knew me you know i, I think they just wanted to you know okay let's see if she can rise to the occasion right <laughs> <laughs> and i i tell you it was a it, i mean i you know i came in prepared I, I knew the organization knew the staff in my mind you know i i, I used the interview you know it's just like I was confident, I was comfortable, um, and I didn't know Ron well because when I was coming through the program, he really was not uh, facilitating the job finding club anymore. Uh, he originally was when mm-hmm. it first uh, opened up, but it had been passed on to other staff there. So my uh, interactions with him prior to that were, were very limited, so I really didn't know Ron well. And so then, you know, going through this interview, I thought, oh, he's really, you know, crossing his uh, T's and dotting his I's, but it went well. And obviously, because, you know, I think it was the next day I got a call back from them saying they, they wanted to move forward and wanted to hire me. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow. Uh, I mean, from what I've known of Ron, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who would have a tough interview with somebody. That's it's a very surprising element of that whole story. Well, you know, I, I maybe tough is the wrong word. He was very thorough. Yeah, thorough, it would be a, a, a good word to describe it. He asked some really thought provoking questions, which, you know, not just your typical, what are your greatest strengths or weaknesses, you know, mm-hmm. using the behavior descriptive or situational questions where you have to tell a story, paint a picture, kind of dig into yourself. And in terms of, you know, tell me about a time when you, you know, you know had to handle conflict with uh, your staff and what were the results, you know, those kinds of things. Right. So quite the sequence of events too, because did you find a job before you took this position or you were still in the process of finding work? I was still in the process, but yeah. close, you know, cause I was down to, like I say, one of two, one of yeah. three. Uh, and then this came up and I hadn't actually accepted a position that, um, you know, was pending. And so after I had accepted the job at the Winnipeg Transition Center, there was a job offer that came through uh, from another organization that I'd interviewed at. And so I graciously declined and, you know, mm-hmm. appreciated the opportunity and, and stuck with, uh, you know, the position at the Winnipeg Transition Center. Yeah. The job helpers helped you find a job technically. <laughs> they just hired you. It's a success. Yeah. Yeah. Total success. At, at that point, did you, like before the whole process, did you have any idea of the Winnipeg Transition Center or even just career in general? Like, did anything ever cross your mind before that whole process? No, I'm telling you, you know, I'd never heard of the Winnipeg Transition Center. But then, mind you, because of the circles I was traveling in at that time uh, from Eaton's and even after uh, leaving Eaton's. I really wasn't aware of the um, assistance that is available uh, out there for people uh, that are job seekers. I had no clue, mm-hmm. no clue. And for me, you know, when I first started at, at the WTC, that was a big learning curve in terms of learning about all the agencies and service providers and the resources. And, you know, are there specific ones for working with youth and, you know, so on and so forth. So that, that to me was just an amazing part of the job was learning about these places. I had no idea, no idea those resources were available. So Winnipeg Transition Center, that whole era starts. So when did you start working there? What year was it? That would have been 1999. All right. And you've been there ever since? Ever since. Wow. Yeah. So to talk a little bit more about the organization, Obviously, there's been massive changes since you started working there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are some of the bigger developments or um, some of the major accomplishments that you can remember during your time there? Well, I would say probably there's a few of them. We were asked by the province at that time uh, to shift gears a little bit in terms of a focus group of uh, job seekers to work with. Um, up until that point, uh, it was eclectic. So we worked with all Manitobans. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this one particular year, they uh, were there was a lot of uh, discussion around the mature workers, so people who are 50 plus, primarily due to the fact that there were certainly industries where people within that age group were being impacted by layoffs and, and particularly where these people were long-term employees and Again, almost like myself, when I left Eaton's, not really sure about 
how to conduct an effective job search and what would you do, right? Yep. And so the province came to us and said, uh, we, we'd like you to, you know, focus on 50 plus and, you know, see, obviously we're going to evaluate the results and see where, where things are at. And so we shifted uh, gear and we restructured our programming to really, uh, you know, work more effectively with these folks that were in dire need of, of, of good job search skills. And uh, so that was where our transition workshop uh, was first introduced. And it really was a way uh, for people to identify the unique talents and accomplishments and gifts that they bring uh, to the workplace, regardless of what kind of work they did in the past. Mm -hmm. And um, so that that's something that really stands out to me because it was, uh, you know, we needed to make changes to our programming. We had to wrap our heads around, you know, how are we going to instill that confidence in these people, uh, you know, that they have, they have things that they can offer an employer. Right? Yeah. And, and we continued even after the fact that we weren't focusing on them, that we were, uh, we felt we were both to place because of the reputation we gained with serving this group of people. And at that time, we were the only agency that was doing that. Nobody else was doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the next thing I think that uh, probably a major uh, accomplishment would be um, the Women as Career Mentors event that we planned and hosted for six years. And that came about as a uh, Ron had been in contact with uh, an individual at the government level who was really looking at, you know, how can we help youth? How can we, you know, and particularly young women? Um, there was no programming or any in the event in the city that was really targeting this particular group at that time. So we did, we approached the province and said, okay, you know, this is something we, we feel would be really valuable. But instead of doing it as a conference, maybe we'll just do it as an evening event and, and see where things go. And uh, so we did, you know, we received funding from uh, the province to do this. Um, we put together a voluntary planning committee we also uh, sought sponsorship from private organizations to help with the event as well. And uh, the first event uh, was held, I think, in 2008. And it, it was just fantastic. You know, we had over, uh, I think we had about 230 people in attendance. And so the whole premise was to uh, work with uh, youth, female youth, between the ages of 16 to 29 and bring them together for this evening where they could meet up with a professional uh, mentor uh, within the industry career that, or the career industry that they were hoping to go into and basically form a relationship with them and be able to continue to communicate with one another after the event was over. And uh, yeah, so it was uh, a great thing to be a part of. Unfortunately, some things can't carry on forever. <laughs> so that was fine. You know, uh, we, we did a, a great job of, of, of making this happen uh, for six years, and we were happy to be a part of it. Yeah. So. Um, when did the certificates come into play? How old are the certificate programs there? Because I would say, uh, just for me personally, what Winnipeg Transition Center is known for in the city is the certificates that you guys yes. offer. Because uh, again, just from my own research, when I was trying to get into this field, just again, like you're saying, cold calling <laughs> places and asking them, 
how do I become a, a coach? How do I become a facilitator? Where do I begin? Yeah, absolutely. literally, literally every single person said career employment coach certificate. And <laughs> I know so many people who also have that credential. Uh, I remember the classes that I took there. This would have been in 2010. And I still talk to some of those people that I was in the class with. So uh, had a great impact on me, obviously. Um, but I think that is probably the best thing that you guys are known for. So I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about where did that start, if you can remember the certificate programs and um, exactly what they are. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really boils down to this was the brainchild and vision of Ron. You know, he uh, recognized quite quickly that there was no training of this nature in the province at that time. Um, And so many people practicing and delivering those services to many Manitobans, regardless of what group you're working with, and felt, you know what, it's time for something to happen here. And because Ron was an alumni of the University of Winnipeg, he decided to go that route in terms of approaching them. And we had, he had a series of meetings with the uh, top administrative people there, uh, including the dean at that time. And lo and behold, they, they saw the validity of having uh, this type of training available here in Manitoba. And uh, we entered into a collaborative partnership agreement with them. And in 2001, we uh, started offering these courses for the first time. Uh, and wow. back then, they were one-day courses. Okay, mm-hmm. so not after, anymore. <laughs> not anymore. No. <laughs> after running the one-day courses, uh, you know, for uh, a, a short period of time, we recognized that one of the biggest takeaways with this training is you're gaining uh, coaching skills, right? Being able to work more effectively with your own clients. And we recognize that, you know, going through the materials and having the time for those coaching role plays just wasn't happening in one day. And so we went back to the university and said, you know, we really think that we need to expand this and uh, make it two day for each of the four modules. And uh, they were definitely in agreement and felt that this would be highly beneficial. And so a few, uh, just a couple of years later, we, we introduced the two-day sessions, and they've been running ever since. And I did notice that courses are now being made available online, and also there's evening courses as well. So yes. um, listeners of the show know I have to ask a pandemic question to everybody. <laughs> so I guess this counts. <laughs> sure. um, but was that a result of the pandemic, or was that something that the center had thought of doing beforehand? Or uh, I'm not sure when those got introduced. Ron had actually envisioned one day being able to do the courses online. And uh, so we had been talking about it uh, a number of years ago. You know, there was a number of things I think that just kind of came into play that put it on the back burner a bit. Just the time and the resources, the technology that was available back then was really tedious and cumbersome. Sometimes it's all about timing, right? So even though we recognize that the online would open up, you know, uh, other avenues for us, we just thought, you know, this is maybe not not going to work for us at this point, right? Was put on the back burner a bit. And uh, then you're right, you know, as a result of COVID hitting and the pandemic, you know, we had to cancel a number of our workshops uh, that were coming up uh, when we had the uh, lockdown. And so we regrouped and said, okay, you know, either we wait this out, which maybe is not going to be a wise decision because we don't know how long this is going to last, 
before we uh, make the decision to make some changes and take the chance and the opportunity that's being presented to us yeah. that we have the time to do this, right? And we also were very fortunate that we had people, uh, contract trainers, uh, that were familiar with the technology that would allow us to make that switch. And so that's what we did. First time that we offered the online workshop, and it was a pre-employment coach certificate workshop, uh, would have been in July of that first summer. Yeah, that's another interesting wrinkle to the whole pandemic and to Zoom and online is all that because I also took facilitation fundamentals. I feel like I'm plugging a lot of uh, one of the big <laughs> transition center courses here. I also that's took great. facilitation fundamentals and I'm, I'm always just thinking, I think there's probably room somewhere to have online facilitation training because it is the same, but it is different, right? I'm sure yes. you've experienced yes. that yourself. Yes, absolutely. And in fact, all of our facilitation workshops are available online as well. So once we made the switch with our career employment coach certificate program, we then focused on our, our five-day uh, practical workshop facilitation skills, uh, primarily because that is our one certificate program on facilitation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that we thought if we start with the five-day, we can easily work down with the three, two, and one day that we have. Right. Yeah. So and uh, we've made that switch as well. Are you really enjoying the virtual? Are there any new courses coming down the pipeline? Can you speak a little bit to the the near future of the organization? You bet. So we're going to continue to offer the virtual, but also we can do in person. So hybrid would definitely be, you know, what we're wanting to offer moving forward. Um, in fact, we have an in-person session, one of our career employment coach uh, workshops taking place with a, a group starting tomorrow. So it would definitely be a mix of both. We find that, you know, having that option available, I think is going to work well for us because, you know, let's face it, some people find that doing the in-person works better for them. So if we can offer both of them moving forward, I think that's in everybody's best interest. Um What's new? Well, you mentioned earlier that, you know, starting this fall, we're going to be offering the Career Employment Coach Certificate Workshops as night classes in September. And uh, so uh, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, the results uh, that that will yield. We're looking forward to offering another option for people, right? Mm -hmm, Yeah. And uh, so basically what we've done with each two-day course is We've broken them down into four uh, three-hour sessions. And so basically within a two-week time frame, basically we would have session one and two, week one on Monday and Wednesday evening, and session three and four the following week again on the Monday and Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, so that's something that uh, we're extremely excited about. And that's, uh, that's a trend I'm seeing in a lot of different places where I think our industry in general coming out of the pandemic is ending up being stronger just because we have introduced these hybrid methods, whereas before online options of any sort were completely non-existent to a degree. Absolutely. So now it's great for us to offer everything to everybody. Almost we're getting, we're getting there, but <laughs> we are, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the other thing too, that we're starting to uh, advertise on our website and on our social media is uh, we can also customize now. So, Mm-hmm. For example, if uh, you know an organization wants to 
receive, uh, you know, training, uh, say uh, something along interview preparation, how to, uh, you know, work with their staff so that they're able to interview with their clients, prep them, uh, but they can't do the two-day, right? So mm -hmm. we can now customize uh, in terms of if you're only, you've only got half a day to do this, we can, uh, you know, work with an organization in terms of choosing certain activities that would be the most relevant uh, and the most important and most beneficial for their staff and uh, create a session that's going to work for them in terms of, you know, their timeline and also their budget. Because let's face it, with uh, a number of uh, service providers in particular, um, you know, the training dollars just may not be there as yeah. well. So for the most up-to-date information to get more about the center's activities in the future, is it the best to just visit the website to contact you? What would be the best way? Yeah. So they can visit our website. They can contact me, um, you know, either by email or on my cell phone. I've always got it here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm plugged in. So uh, I'd be happy to talk to people uh, even by uh, yeah, Zoom, virtually, whatever works. Uh, I'm open. Excellent. It's always good to end on a plug. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Thank you so much, Tracy. We are out of time for today, but it was excellent talking with you. Thank you for taking the time today to chat. Well, thank you, David. It's, you. Uh, it's been wonderful to have this discussion with you. Absolutely. And before we go, it's tradition on the podcast. I have to throw out. It's the impossible trivia question. Are you ready to go? I'll do my best. Okay. So Tracy, have you ever played the board game Monopoly before? I have. We are recording on a very rainy late May day here today. So I'm sure somebody in the city is playing Monopoly right now inside. <laughs> it is one of the most popular board games in the whole world. It's been known to have some very long sessions, though. The game can go very long. So Tracy, your impossible trivia question today. What is the world record for the longest game of Monopoly ever played? Ooh. I know with playing with my own family and friends, it can go on for a long time. So... <laughs> I'm going to take a stab here. I'm going to say, uh, let's go with 26 hours. 26 hours. The longest game of Monopoly ever played was 70 days long. <gasps> oh my goodness. Wow. I had to look into how that's even possible. Apparently there were teams and they were switching back and forth. So I was going to say, yeah, I, I think you would have to definitely be switching off. Wow. So sleeping, I eating. off the mark on that one. Yes. So I don't think I've had a game uh, last 70 days, but I think it's probably come pretty close. Absolutely. Some matches. <laughs> so again, thank you so much, Tracy. It was so exciting to talk to you and talk about the center today. Because again, just in terms of my own personal journey, I really view my start in this field, taking the training from the center and talking to so many people, their stories are very similar where their first experience is the Winnipeg Traditions Center. So it was great to talk to you today about the history and your history as well. Well, I, I appreciate that, David. And uh, uh, honestly, uh, you know, what's important to us is the fact that, you know, we've been able to either introduce people to this industry or help people to further their skills. And uh, we were so excited to continue to be a part of that. And, uh, you know, thank you again for this opportunity yeah. to talk about that whole journey. <laughs> Pleasure's all mine. Keep up the great work. Okay, thank you. Thank you, you Tracy. Take care, David. You too. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye.
For more information on MACD, including professional development, conferences, and other opportunities, please visit our website at www.macd-mb.org.